Okay, welcome back to our third session. We've talked about the principles, uh, basic guidelines. We've talked about bringing the right intentions, how to prepare for the meeting, including the powerful questions and setting the field and so forth. Now we're gonna focus this module on what I call speech acts and communication. I'm gonna pop a slide up here again, just to show you what I mean by that. But it's something we call I statements, which we'll spend a fair bit of time on in this module. I wanna really drive that home because that's a very important practice for building authentic community. But there's other acts of communication, which are, which are important. Uh, and challenging generalization, saying fully what we think, drawing on directly observable data, of course, listening and, and managing one's airtime. And I want to just touch lightly on each of those. But the main one I want to spend some time on is, is I statements. And so I statements are best learned through an example. So I'm going to read an example here. This is a real example. This is a famous, you would know who she is. A philanthropist uh, married both of the well, one of the wealthiest couples in the world, well known, and she was being interviewed uh, and asked the question um, about a book she had written. Um, so the so the interviewer said, "Great, you wrote. Uh, great wealth can be very confusing. What do you mean by that?" That was the question, and here's her response. So I want you to listen to this very very carefully. Um, and then we'll spend just a pause for just a few minutes, a few seconds and let you kind of internalize that. Then I'm going to read it back to you. The first one is without I statements. The second one is with I statements if, as if it were redone. Uh, and I want to, I want you to compare how the two of these two feel to you. Okay. So first here's the response. So again, question, what do you mean by great wealth can be very confusing? So response. You have so many options, how you spend your time, how you spend your resources. Because they know that you're donating money, people come up and tell you you're fantastic. There can be a distorted point of view. The only way I know to break through that is to have deep, authentic conversations. You have to keep your life as real as you possibly can. So just take a second and feel into that. So I'm going to read another version of that. Same question. You write, great wealth can be very confusing. What do you mean? Response. I have many options for how I spend my time and resources. Others know who I am and that I donate money. So they can tend to tell me how fantastic I am. I don't want to fall into this distorted trap. So I have to work to have authentic conversations and keep my life as real as possible. Okay. Now, when most people hear one versus the other, the second one sounds much more authentic and genuine. And they're able to connect with that, a person saying that much, much better. Why? It doesn't sound preachy. There's not the use of the word you when really she's talking about herself. Right. So in the first one, she said, um, um, how you spend your time, how you spend your resources. Well, are you a rich philanthropist? <laughs> I'm not. So who's you? It's really her. And so so 
the use of I statements is a very, very important communication practice. It's, it's, it's scaffolding, it's practice for how to speak authentically and genuinely from me. Now, it's different. It's not taking credit for things. It's not, oh, look what I did. Da, 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 da. That's different. It's also not making one self-centered uh, versus focusing on others and others around them. It's simply owning my own beliefs and, uh, and my own feelings, in a, in a, not in a defensive way and not in a way that I'm trying to stake a position so I can argue it, but just in a very authentic way, in fact, in an open way, so that uh, others would feel free to uh, uh, challenge it if it's the generalization or question it or inquire about where it comes from and, and so forth. So I statements can't be taken separate from the other practices of community, which are authentic listening, um, saying fully what we speak, uh, speaking fully what we, what we feel, um, using directly observable data and so forth, right? But it's an essential part because it helps others connect with my genuine self better. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, conflict escalation is a natural outcome of community. If we're going to talk about white elephants, it's going to create conflict in a community. It just is because white elephants are white for, for a reason. One, they're elephants because they're important to the group. They mean something, right? Otherwise, it'd be a white mouse or something, but it's a white elephant. And it's white because nobody, everyone's afraid to talk about it. So it's threatening in some way. And so we bring that in the room, even if it is, McAdam, I don't like the way you run in this company. Or I think this centering stuff we do at the beginning of each meeting is is silly, and it's it, I don't like it. it. Makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, all of these things would be considered white elephants. Those have to those have to come in the room, and for someone to be able to speak genuinely, authentic, authentically about that, um, I statements become an important way to practice that type of thing. So. Um, I'm going to encourage you to do that in your pods and help each other. Um, but just recognize that using you rather than I in a statement creates a distance. Um, I statements are very easy to understand, but they're very, very hard to do. Why is that? I don't know. Uh, they've been hard for me. I've seen them with others very, very hard. So we adopted a practice of helping each other with that. And in order to do that in a way with compassion and caring, as opposed to just calling out, oh, you just used a, you know, you didn't use an I statement there. We had a practice again, this doesn't work on zoom. Maybe one of you creative uh, people that use zoom a lot can figure out how to do something on zoom. Probably can. Uh, I didn't, I didn't have to have that experience, but what we did is we used a gratitude stone, which I'll show you right here an example this is one that we would use and it would be circulating in the group and the community and the way it would work is if somebody used um it did not use an i statement if they used you when they should have used i and i had the stone i would usually start with it i would walk up to the person not say a word and just present them with the gratitude stone they would take the stone they would realize okay i and they that i wouldn't have to point it out they would know what their uh, use statement was, what their non-I statement was. Sometimes they would want to redo it. Usually they would want to redo it. 
with an I statement. We did that as a way to practice. And then they would own the stone. And what they would be doing then is listening for others and they would repeat that practice if it happened again. And so what that, uh, what that created was much more self-awareness in all of us around our speech, both in how we talked and how we listened each other because we were listening with nobody wanted to keep the stone for very long so they would be listening for when others did it and it was done in a way with compassion so that signaled i'm not calling you out here i'm really trying to help you because it was a gratitude stone so um uh anyway um that's what i wanted to say about i statements and so the next uh point is just on generalizations that must be challenged blanket statements in blanket generalizations in community don't work. Things like, oh, this or that is bad, or this or that is good, or some kind of a level of abstraction that someone declares that, uh, that, that others may disagree with, but there's no basis. There's no basis for it. There's no, uh, well, how do you come up with that? What was your data that you saw? What conclusions did you draw, et cetera? So, uh, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, Chris Arduous, if you have not studied Chris Arduous, please do. That should be an integral part of your own of your own development. But he developed something called the ladder of inference, or at least he popularized it. He's the first one that introduced me to it. The ladder of inferences. So remember, to infer is to uh, is different than imply. It's the opposite. Infer is to um, draw something from something else, right? So from someone, someone says something, I infer something in, in that, right? So it's the ladder of inference. And it would go from the bottom, which is uh, the available data. And the way the human mind works is we walk up this ladder instantaneously. So it is available data. We select data from that pool. Uh, we then say, what's the important data? We then fold in assumptions about that that we each have. And from those assumptions, we draw conclusions. And from those conclusions, we form our beliefs. And from those beliefs, we take action, which might be to say something, do something, et cetera. So this is called the ladder of inference. And in our day-to-day -day lives, what we do is we just run along, take an action. And all this underlying buildup is from, in my case, 60 years of history. And learn, you know, and being in the world and what I've learned in society and so forth, but it's instantaneous. And so in community, what we try to do is get everyone to walk, to start at the bottom. It takes more time, but it is, here's my observation. Here's why I think this is important. Here's what I think it means based on my other perspectives. Therefore, I draw these conclusions and think we or I should take this action, right? And so then when we're dealing with someone in community who has spoken at a high level of abstraction, then we generally try to get them to walk down the ladder by inquiring, asking them, oh, what's your, you know, what data, what assumptions did you land? What's your perspective? Again, not in a way of trying to prove them wrong, but frankly, in a way to try to understand more where they're coming from. Because remember, in community, everyone, me, I'm trying to revise my mental models. I'm trying to learn something in the process. I'm not trying to win because in community, there's no factions. There's no, 
it's it's one community, one team. And so I'm genuinely trying to understand, well, how did someone, how did you, if someone else said that, how did they come to that? Right. And so rather than just challenging them by saying, I think you're wrong and here's why uh, I probe and inquire to try to walk them down that ladder. So that's what we mean by generalizations must be challenged um, as well as drawing on uh, directly observable data. Um, and this is a perfect, perfect forum and method to really practice our um, generative listening skills. I want to also highlight the notion of managing our airtime um, because it's very important in community to, for each person to manage their airtime. In my experience, <laughs> in being with groups for years over, over time is that we basically fall, people fall into one of two camps. Those who talk uh, too much, like to talk, like to share their views. That would be me. <laughs> and then the other uh, group are those that uh, are quiet and don't like to put their views out and so forth. And I would argue that both of those behaviors are ego-driven behaviors. Both of those would be in Lisa Leahy's, it could be in someone's you know, immunity to change map. Because those that like to talk uh, and are first to talk are ones that typically are trying to prove either how smart they are or how capable, how articulate or whatever. That's an ego drive. Those that are quiet are typically uh, driven by an ego fear of judgment or others um, disagreeing with them and they're reluctant to jump in and commit. And so this is general, <clears throat> but both of those groups need to manage their airtime. Meaning if you're in the quiet camp, you have to manage your airtime up because you have an obligation to be fully part of the community and the awareness, emotional intelligence awareness that you should have is, Hey, I tend to be a quiet one and here's why. And I'm going to overcome that in this community because by the way, it's psychologically safe and I've committed as part of the, the being part of the community to contribute. So um, your homework uh, for this time is I would love for you again in your pods to practice I statements and practice helping each other uh, do them. So one idea would be uh, over the next week, listen on the radio, the news with others for non uh, uh, I statements. They're so common. You can hear them. They, they turn on any interview at NPR or any, any TV show or anything else. It's so common in our society. You don't have to listen long to, write down a sentence or two with the you statements, rewrite it with I statements and share it with your group um, and, um, and explore this a bit. And one, you'll learn how common it really is in our society, how much each of us do it. And you'll begin to build an awareness for how to, uh, to shift and use uh, I statements in many aspects of your life.